0: Welcome to Hub & Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub & Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription-based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of NGI's Hub & Flow podcast. This is Patrick Rao, NGI's Director of Strategy and Research. It's currently April the 6th here in suburban D.C., and just wanted to give a quick update on the short-term U.S. natural gas supply demand picture here. A lot of the topics I'm going to be discussing are actually going to be discussed prominently during first quarter 2022 earnings calls, so I guess we could say that this is doubling as a preview of first quarter earnings. Well, we all know commodity prices are quite high right now. WTI is currently trading north of $100 a barrel. And NGI's day ahead Henry Hub spot market price for April the 6th sits just shy of $6 per MMBTU. So given these higher prices, it's certainly no surprise that the Biden administration is urging U.S. producers to produce more oil and gas. Well, certainly that and the need to help Europe diversify their gas streams now in the face of global conflict. But the questions are, will they and can they? And the answers are, yeah, they will and they can, but not by as much as they otherwise could have. We estimate that public producers account for roughly two-thirds of total U.S. gas production. And obviously, publics have been focused on limiting their production lately in order to generate free cash flow as a way to placate their shareholders. Many of these publics, they're still a bit reticent to add too many rigs right now out of fear of investor reprisals. Now they are adding some, but they could still grow some production even without adding rigs by doing things such as drilling longer laterals, high grading where they drill better acreage and adding more bells and whistles to rigs. And slowly but surely the publics are growing. They're no longer in pure maintenance mode They're now in what we'll call low growth mode, or maybe even call it low single digit percentage, low growth mode, with most public saying that they'll grow by no more than 5% in any one year going forward. based on public guidance and Wall Street consensus estimates, We estimate that US publics are going to grow natural gas production at about 3% this year. And that's up a little bit from the 2.5% or so that we talked about during the webinar we did in February with our friends at ICIS. Now, privates, they'll grow faster than that. And they are adding rigs at a faster pace. But we think that there's simply too many constraints in place right now that will prevent both publics and privates from increasing production too quickly in 2022 for a number of reasons. One, a big one, is there's simply a shortage of super spec rigs and top-notch frack crews right now. We note that there are a number of prominent oil field service companies who are saying that capacity utilization for both those things right now is north of 90%. So there's only so many extra rigs and crews folks could add, even if they wanted to add more. Uh drill but uncompleted wells those have really fallen to the inventory of those have fallen to a historically low levels, So it's tough to rely on that knob. There are labor issues now. This is happening certainly in many different industries. It's not isolated just to energy. Automation is going to help in time. It will certainly cut the number of man and woman hours required on a rig, on a frat crew, but that may not help so much here in the short term. And of course, we're all seeing high inflation in the oil patch, and that could incentivize some producers from wanting to increase production from that. Now, overall, we are seeing maybe some constraints on production, but one area where we are seeing certainly greater than average gas production right now is the Permian. The rig count in the Permian is now at about 323. That's up about 100 from a year ago. And there's some that are projecting that the rig count in the Permian could approach 400 by the end of the year. Growth out there, of course, is being led by privates, but there are some prominent publics that are increasing production there as well, especially majors like Chevron and ExxonMobil. Now, the topic the jour for fourth quarter 21 conference calls, it was natural gas takeaway capacity out of the Permian. I mean, we've been sort of keeping an informal consensus timeline for when, that there's going to be the need for another takeaway pipeline out of the Permian. And this has gone from sometime in 2025, a year ago, to somewhere in the middle of 2024. And we're now looking at late 2023. But even that might still be a bit aggressive. The problem, of course, is that it takes about two years or so to get a new pipeline into service once it reaches FID. Kinder Morgan and Energy Transfer, in particular, are in active discussions on building a new line. And even Enterprise Products has been discussing the possibility of it as well, although they seem to be a little bit farther behind than Kinder and Energy Transfer. Williams, they're looking to do their part as well by trying to be able to accept more gas into Transco. So a lot of planning going on right now. There's even an alternative solution or one potential solution would be simply to convert liquids pipelines to gas. And that could provide some near term help as well we've heard a lot of talk about this though we aren't aware of any concrete plans to do so we're certainly going to keep our eyes peeled on that so if it is going to be a new pipeline out of the permian just know that one major issue with new pipeline construction is that right now private producers are doing much of the growing of production in the permian but it's the publics who are the ones who typically reserve the capacity and underwrite these new build projects So we could be seeing something of a bit of a free rider problem here. Now, Several major public producers have said they are looking into securing more supply in these new proposed lines. And ultimately we feel that a new pipeline will be done. It's just that it's not going to be quite as easy of a decision for publics to commit to adding significant off balance sheet debt in the form of firm transport commitments, especially in this new financial returns focused era in which we live. So, Any delays in reaching FID on this new pipe, it would just likely add to the risk of weaker basis differentials out of the Permian. Everything else being equal. So look, I mean, regardless of who builds the line and commits to the FT, NGI's forward curves. Hey, they suggest somebody better do something and do it pretty quickly. Basis differentials are really starting to dip here in March of 2023. And that's again, quite a bit earlier than that consensus late 2023 timeframe I mentioned a moment ago. NGI's while Ford curve averages roughly a dollar below NYMEX for the next 10 months, but then it averages $1.75 below NYMEX for the 10 months thereafter. So obviously the sooner that a solution comes online, the better it's going to be from a basis standpoint out of the Permian. Now, another potential home for growing Permian gas, it's LNG export terminals. And building more of those would serve the double role of providing an outlet for Permian production, but also helping to supply more gas overseas, particularly to Europe. You might have all seen that the White House recently announced that it will work with international partners with the goal of ensuring an additional LNG volumes for Europe of at least 15 billion cubic meters in 2022. And there are expected to be increases of that going forward. Look, I mean, that's going to be difficult to do near term, at least short of rerouting cargoes from other parts of the world, considering that U.S. liquefaction plants are running chock full right now. In fact, they have been for quite some time, and that increases the risk of unscheduled maintenance coming sooner than later to U.S. uh, liquefaction plants. But I digress there a little. Increasing U.S. exports to Europe longer term will obviously require more export capacity, And that's been a bit tricky to achieve in recent quarters. Several sources have noted European and other foreign entities had been balking at signing 20-year supply contracts. Really, because if you think about it, by the time those contracts would expire, it would just be a few years away from the year 2050 when some global gas use may be phased out. So it's kind of like signing a baseball free agent to a mega long-term contract to an older free agent, the first few years of that might look good, but by the last few years it may not be looking so great, hence the reticence. But we certainly think that the Russia-Ukraine conflict, it's changing that thinking quite a bit. We note that there have been several new offtake deals announced in both the US and now Mexico recently, including an energy transfers proposed Lake Charles Export facility, which seemingly had been lurking in the background in stilled silence for quite some time now. We also note that the stock prices of Tellurian in the next decade, those have more than doubled since mid-February. So quite clearly, a lot of increased interest here. Now, all this new capacity, of course, it's going to require feed gas. And if U.S. producers want to provide it, well, they're going to need to be RSG certified. And we certainly note that that's been happening like crazy in the Hainesville in particular lately. But if they want to gain direct international price exposure, and Pearl LNG Insight publication, gas prices in Europe and Asia are currently north of $30 in MMBTU right now. So I'm sure many of these producers do want to do that. They also need to be investment grade. EOG Resources, which has an A-minus long-term debt rating, they recently expanded their deal with Schneer and other prominent producers such as EQT Resources, Chesapeake, and Southwestern Energy, they've all openly announced their desire to sell more gas overseas under similar arrangements. Now, EQG, they just got bumped into investment grade territory. Southwestern Energy, they're very close behind. They're at double B plus, so they just did one more uh, upgrade to achieve I grade. Chesapeake, they've got a little bit more work to do. They're at double B minus. But just note that overall, there are only a handful of independent producers in the U.S. that are investment grade right now. So if they wanna sell more gas overseas, This is just going to be all the more incentive for these producers to continue to right-size their balance sheets here, everything else being equal. And if they're doing that, they may not be producing as much gas short-term, again, everything else being equal. And that's just one other potential barrier to prevent them from producing more gas than they otherwise might right now. And just longer term... You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether investors will allow U.S. producers to grow production beyond this magic 5% uh, cap, annual cap, if this gas is ticketed for international markets. I mean, is it going to be OK for somebody to grow at maybe 10% if half that gas is going to go overseas and therefore not impact Henry Hub prices as much? So, And certainly... The producers will be able to do this if it doesn't mean that they're going to be hurting any of their programs to return cash to shareholders. And that is a major driver right now. So as long as that, you know, the dividends stay there and the buybacks stay, it'll be just interesting to see if investors allow U.S. producers to sell more gas overseas. So we're going to be looking at that very closely here in the months ahead. Okay, one last topic and I'll go away. And that is here the topic of inventory or how many years that producers, drilling years they have left. And this is becoming much more important, especially now that free cash flow generation from producers is all the rage. You know, we think that investors typically want there to be 10 or more years of free cash flow generation capacity from producers. And that's obviously hard to achieve without some kind of commensurate inventory, especially given the high initial decline rates for unconventional production. Now, certainly one prominent way to grow inventory, of course, is via M&A. But that might be a bit harder for producers to do in the months ahead, at least relative to the frenetic pace of the past few quarters. For one, all the recent MA activity means there are just simply fewer dance partners right now. So there's that. Another reason is higher commodity prices now have widened bid-ask spreads. But there's a third and potentially growing concern, and it's antitrust related. And I'll ask you to remember the name Jonathan Cantor who is the Justice Department's new antitrust chief. Much has been written lately about his potentially tightening the screws on mergers in the U.S. going forward. And even though the U.S. natural gas e industry, it's still fairly fragmented as measured by the geeky market diagnostic metrics such as Hirschman indexes and eight firm concentration ratios. But Cantor's increased levels of scrutiny, it's added risk here. I mean, it's not to say that M&A won't happen, but this is just another potential impediment for that to happen going forward. And it's certainly something that we at NGI, we're going to be following this topic very closely in the months ahead. Anyway, that's all I have for today. As always, I wanted to thank you for tuning into NGI's Heaven Flow podcast. And I invite you to keep checking this channel for future additions from us. Until next time, you all be safe and take care,
0: everyone. Dependable data drives informed business decisions. Trust NGI to provide your natural gas and LNG data for North America. If your business requires daily, weekly, or bidweek week pricing data, forward curves, or flow data, NGI has a reliable product suite to support you. Visit natgasintel.com backslash services to understand what we have to offer and how we can help you and your business today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub & Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate, and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the Resources tab to find the podcast page.